My name is Albert B. Feldstein, and I am the editor of Man. It's my job to... I am the editor of Mad, and it's my job. <laughs> well, what's so funny about that? John Putnam and Jerry DeFusha, Hollywood, Bob Clark, Gloria Orlando, Frank Jacobs, Don Martin, Leonard Brenner, Joe Orlando, David Byrd, Celia Morelli, Frank Kelly Freeze, George Woodbridge, Mark Drucker, Al Jaffe. <laughs> and here's the publisher, William Gaines. You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM at UBC, the show about comics, comics, and comics. Comics. And comics. Today, we're going to talk about L. Feldstein. We're just listening to Satan Takes a Holiday by Mr. Anton LaVey, a fun little loungy ditty. And before that, or after that, we were listening to, uh, off, originally released in an issue of Mad Magazine as a paper record pull out a, a, a cardboard pull out audio record and um it was basically a person saying their name is l feldstein and people laughing in the background but that wasn't actually l feldstein was it no he didn't like his voice yeah yeah so i'll just uh, say who's here today there's me robin um with a mick um colin upton hello and we're joined today by mr donald king yeah Hi. Hi. It's been uh, a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. We miss you, Don. If you want to... Cl- we're talking about Al Feldstein. If you have any stuff to say, how much you love Mad, Al Feldstein was the uh, editor of Mad from 1955 till 1984. You give us a call at 604-822-2487, and I'll be conducting an interview, myself and Don, with Al this weekend. He's coming to town for the Vancouver Comic Con mm-hmm. at uh, 3102 Main Street. And he'll be there Sunday from 11 till 5, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to go and like thank him. The Heritage him, Hall. The Heritage Hall, yes. Go and thank him for making you laugh. You know, at one time or another, all of you have read Mad Magazine. I don't care who's listening. Mm-hmm. You've all read an issue of Mad. And, and he was responsible for just about all the content that came through it, one way or another. So we're going to go a bit into that. You're going to tell us a bit about that laughing sequence, Don, because... What do you mean? Well, well who, who recorded that? The, the, uh, who was the actual voice? Oh, it was Jerry DeFuccio? 
Defucio, something like that. He, uh, he apparently Al Feldstein when they recorded that didn't like the sound of his own voice, so he had the other guy sit in for him and say, "Hi, I'm Al Feldstein," <laughs> and then apparently he dropped his pants to make everybody laugh during the little recording. So it was the actual uh, usual gang of idiots in the background there. I guess so. Doing the doing the laughter. Yeah, all his assistant or the assistant editors and writers and stuff. Al Jaffe and mm-hmm. Don Martin. Is it Jaffe or is it Jaffe? I don't care. I've always known it as Jaffe. Me too. Jaffe. Yeah, you're getting too French on us or something. <laughs> Putting accents on the weird syllables. <laughs> so, Al Feldstein, yeah, the editor of Mad from 1955 to 1984. Uh, before that, he was heavily involved in the EC line of comics, mm-hmm. uh, doing a bit of editing, editing work there and art and covers. Mm-hmm. Um... What were some of the titles they worked on? He was responsible for the Three Witches, wasn't that? Uh, he was. He ran six titles. Uh, he ran, I think, the uh, Weird Science, Weird Fantasy, um, Tales of the Crypt, uh, Vault of Terror, and Haunt of Fear, I think, and Panic. I think was the other one that he ran. Panic. He, Panic was uh, a oh, Mad yeah. Magazine clone. It was, well, yeah. it was, a ma- it yeah, was when was Mad a- was one of the EC Comics line. Yeah. And there was so many ripoff of Mad by yeah. other publishers, he decided to do their own ripoff of Mad called Panic. Yeah. Actually, we could talk a little bit about where Al came from, and before he even got started with that, I could do a yeah, a, a quick little oh, brief, quick uh, little. Autobiography. How old is this guy? Was born in like 1925. 1925. Yeah, New York City, and his uh, dad was a. Uh, a Russian immigrant, actually, and a, he, a dental technician. And a dental technician. He made bridges and false teeth and stuff like that. Uh, they were a, a Jewish family, like you know, a, just about every c- comedian and comic writer that came out of New York around that time. You mm-hmm. know, like, like Woody Allen and Neil Simon and Milton Berle and well, Sid just Caesar about and, the entire EC crew, yeah, I think. And uh, Al Brooks and yeah, yeah, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he also, he. Uh, he, he said, actually, he, he grew up in New York right around the Depression, and there's a great quote from him uh, when, he was, when, he was, when he was talking about that. He said uh, that uh, he wasn't bar mitzvahs. This is, a, this is his quote. I wasn't bar mitzvahed because the shit hit the fan in 38 when I was 13 years old and we lost our home. So basically they went from being like a fairly well-to-do family to having to move into a tenement, and he was pulled out of Hebrew school. Mm. So then he basically had to... Uh, uh, had to yeah, go, they had couldn't to go, to, go to, te- the, to the temple anymore. Yeah, they couldn't afford any of that. Yeah. And uh, Temple costs money? Uh, well, I guess maybe donating or this. Yeah. Maybe it's a certain neighborhood they were in. They couldn't, uh-huh. they couldn't stay in the same neighborhood. They, were, they lived in Brooklyn. Um, but uh, so, so in school, he actually wanted to be a doctor when he was a kid. But his uh, teacher um, sort of made him realize that they had no money. For going to uh, like a medical school, and that there were there were quotas with school, so he was Jewish, so he might not be able to get in. He might uh, because they would have there had too, too many, many doctor Jewish, yeah, too many, Jew- yeah, no, apparently that's the way it ran back then. Um, I sound the doctor, but the teacher the teacher said that he was good at art. Like he, she she recommended that he uh, since he was so good at art that he attend the high school of music and art in New oh, York. Oh, they had it back then. Yeah, and uh, actually, this uh, was the first the first year of that. Of, of the high school, like I think he was the the first class. Wasn't uh, he? No, he was. I think it was the second or third class because oh, okay. he was apparently a year and a half behind um, Harvey Kurtzman, Will Elder, and Al Jaffe. All went there. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, so he was just behind them. So he didn't no, no, no. He's older than Kurtzman and uh, 
He's older than Jaffe, isn't he? And I Elder. Know. Yeah, no, he's old. Him and Jaffe were in the same... Because he said he came after them to the school. Maybe he is older, but he came to yeah, the school. He came, yeah, he joined them, but as far as I know, like, he was in the same grade as Jaffe. Okay. And Kurtzman and Elder were younger. Oh, okay. Um, Elder being the junior. <laughs> the elder being the junior. Yeah, so apparently at the time they were starting up all these different high schools in New York where if you were good at music, you would go to a certain, you know, the Brooklyn Music Academy or something, and then if, if you're good at art, you went to this one. Um, and, and so basically it was like a regular high school, but at the end of the day you'd do like three hours of extra work that would, uh, that would involve all art. And they studied like old masters classics, and he's actually never. Al Felsing was never a fan of modern art. He he wasn't. Uh, he liked realistic painting. That was his his thing, which you can see now. It yeah, actually, if you go to his website at alfeldstein uh, dot com. That's uh, I think it's F A or sorry A L F E L D S T E I N. Mm-hmm. alfeldstein.com and uh, it's got a, an array of his uh, latest production of work that he's been putting out mm-hmm. um, all fairly realistic paintings kind of mm-hmm. portraying what his lifestyle is now which is uh, a complete turn of face from being a a New York a, editor yeah a New York magazine editor uh, you know growing up born well, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn <laughs> yeah Brooklyn born and raised Brooklyn and uh, now he lives in Montana on a 271-acre uh, ranch. Yeah, north north of Yellowstone, and between up by Bozeman somewhere, I think. Yeah, yeah, really lovely country. I yeah, I've, I've been through there. It's uh, it's really nice. Um, in a tenement. Yeah, yeah, from a tenement. <laughs> from a tenement to a ranch. Yeah, he actually um, he had never read a comic book when he heard like when when um, he was one of the guys he was going to school with. I don't know who it was, but one of the guys he was going to school with. Told, mentioned uh, that he got a job at for twenty dollars a page doing artwork for some comic for a comic book company. So he had never se- he never read a comic book. So he borrowed a couple comics off this guy and uh, put together a portfolio because he thought twenty bucks a page is big well, money. Snap. Well, wasn't like the first actual comic book came out in like nineteen thirty nine, thirty four so or thirty seven. So yeah, I think it was thirty four. He would have been in his teens before comic books even existed. Yeah, yeah. This well, is no. how far back this guy this was goes. A, well, this was this was nineteen. Or he was fifteen at the time, so yeah. that would do the math. So twenty five, thirty five, nineteen forty. Nineteen forty. Yeah, this is the first time he he ever looked at one, and because yeah, I guess he would have been just a little old for that. You know, like most kids read comic books when they're six or seven. They don't read them when they're 15. What's wrong with us? Uh, I don't know. We're weird. But um, anyway, so he he, um, he basically borrowed some comics off this guy and put together a portfolio because he wanted to get some work making good money because they had no money. Um, so he, he put together a portfolio and actually got a job at the... Um, the Iger... Iger Studios. It's S.W. Iger Studios, because originally it was the Iger Eisner Studios with Will Eisner, but he had just left to go off on his own and do the spirit. Yeah. Um, and then when he, and so he went to the Iger Studios, which was basically a sweatshop for cartoonists back then, uh, and he met uh, Jack Kamen, worked there, and so did Reed Crandall, were two of the, the, the cartoonists that he worked there that became really famous. And at the same time, he started actually going to... Uh, he went to the Art Students League when he graduated from the high school of uh, music and art, and that was the famous New York art establishment uh, that he, he taught uh, or he took uh, anatomy under George Bridgman, who was like the most famous anatomy teacher, and uh, Robert Brackman was a, was a portraiture artist that he studied under. So he was wow. studying under these great. I mean, this is the type of thing that like Norman Rockwell went to these classes. You know, this is a are the same types of classes that all the illustrators from the time went to. So. 
Sorry, sorry about the stripping thing, by the way. Oh. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, Con- concentrate. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I can't because the word stripping came up. Anyway, um, yeah, Don, you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no one knows what we're talking about, so that's good. We'll just leave it alone. Okay. Anyway, he went to um, uh, what do you call it? So he's working uh, at Auger. Yeah. Doing. Uh, he was working for about three bucks a week, basically being their gopher boy. Yeah. He, uh, he actually said that he made a comment about the sweatshops back then, and he said that there were. There, this is a this is a direct quote. There were a lot of butchers and car car salesmen publishing comics. They didn't belong there. They weren't in those days. They they uh, didn't belong there. They weren't very creative, and that's that's one of the things I think that eventually helped him was that he was creative. Yeah. He wasn't just. Uh, but would it be fair to say that Al Feldstein came from a generation of cartoonists who? That really wasn't what they wanted to do in life, but they uh, were drawn to it for the money. Yeah, definitely. They, I think, I think that entire generation wanted to be illustrators. They wanted to follow Robert Fawcett and, uh, you know, and, and Montgomery Flagg and all these people, and 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 become like like magazine illustrators or or um, cover mag like yeah, pulp pulp cover painters and things like that. Which is funny because now uh, the people that were influenced by them are going from comics into doing that, like Seth is a great example of mm-hmm. someone like that or Chris Ware who is going from yeah. doing the comics, you know, starting out in yeah. you know, just Spiegelman. comics. Spiegelman. Yeah, and Spiegelman totally. And, and now doing tons of stuff for the New Yorker. Or, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, just a little was, flip side there of the. Yeah, it was the, it was kind of it, it, at the time. I, I guess like most people that aren't involved in comic books don't understand that comic books at the time were like the ghetto of of art. Like they're not that they're not anymore, <laughs> but they were the the ghetto of the art world of like the illustration world. So basically, your last like if you can't get if you can't do a newspaper strip, you can't do um, a magazine advertising illustration. You know, then you would you would look for basically. Uh, well, what else can I do? advertising type cartooning or and then it would be like comic books would be the bottom one but it paid so everybody was you know wanted to pay the bills they all came out of the depression right mm-hmm. any money was good money oh yeah really S- still is still yeah. is really i mean especially for for artists yeah um and then one other thing he did at the time he actually was in the air force Yes, uh, but I uh, I actually couldn't find out any information about that. All I know is that he went into the Air Force. And I think it was forty two, nineteen forty three. Forty three. But he, he wasn't uh, joined the United States Air Force as an aviation cadet. Oh, really? Okay. Well, but I'm he the... didn't actually do any service, did he? Doesn't say. That as far I, I seem to remember, I, I read the Congress Journal interview with him last night, mm-hmm. and I, I, I didn't really go into it much. Yeah, I don't think I'm not. I don't want to. You know, say for sure though, yeah. and then be wrong. But but, but so many of again, so many of his generation of cartoonists did do military service yeah. of some kind. And that actually, that was another thing that contributed to a lot of the the newer cartoonists coming into comics at the time. Because when half of them were away at war, they started giving work to these guys that were fifteen and sixteen years old. That's how people like Joe Kubert and Carmine Infantino and Alex Toth and all these famous older artists uh, came in when they were all in their teens. They were all in, going to high school and working professionally at the time because everybody else was off to war, you know. Um, but anyway, he went to the Army and or the Army Air Force and then came back to the Eisner, Eiger, Eisner Studios. At that point, it, when he first went, I think it was the Eisner Eiger, and then we came back, it was or, the Eiger. Or the, or, sorry, it was the SW Eiger. When he went and when he came back, I think. Okay. Um, but then after that, I don't really know how he got into EC. I never really read about how he met Bill Gaines or anything. I, I think he just uh, did went for submissions, mm-hmm. you know. 
but I'm not too sure. I couldn't yeah. really get anything of that. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of weird, the stuff that I couldn't find out about him, where you, you get all this minutia sort of details about certain parts of his life, but a couple of them, it's like, he, they, I guess he just kind of assumed everybody knew, so he didn't really bring it up. You know? yeah. Well, apparently... Um he first met uh, Bill Gaines, from what I understand, uh, just going to EC Comics looking for work. But I think they uh, they, hit they, they hit it off. They were about the same age, and yeah, they yeah. both had an appreciation for science fiction and horror stories, which were not areas that comics were dealing with at the time. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and it was basically, it seemed like almost a team of, like, you know, like Paul McCartney and John Lennon, but Al Feldstein and Bill Gaines who created the, what, what most people think of when they think of EC, which is the horror lines, the science fiction lines. Um, and I guess you could kind of say that, I don't know, Bill Gaines would be the Paul McCartney, <laughs> the more vocal, visible... <laughs> Yeah, the one that marketed himself. That's, yeah. that's true. And, and Al, Al was the creative, really, like, nucleus. Like, that's you, true. You read about, um, and we'll get more into this, of, of his accomplishments with MAD, and a lot of people, when you think of MAD, you know, of who who is MAD, and I never, like, I, I've been reading MAD for years. They're all like, MAD. Yeah. They're all MAD. But but I never really, like... I never appreciated how much work that Al Feldstein did. I, I always just thought it was like it was Bill Gaines' thing. Yeah, you know? because he's the one that marketed himself, yeah. and, and you know. he said even in the Russ Cochran, they've about twenty years ago they reprinted a lot of the EC comics in hardbound, really slip nice cases, yeah. beautiful. And uh, apparently, like he wasn't even inv asked to be involved in that, so it, it all concentrated on Harvey Kurtzman and uh, Bill Gaines as the ones that they would do new interviews with to talk yeah. about the material, but. Al Feldstein did. He worked on more EC Comics than Harvey Kurtzman did. Yeah, and I, and I got the impression that he also worked more closely with Bill Gaines, and Kurtzman was kind of off on his own. That's that's true. Trip. That's true. Doing the uh, the adventure of the war comics. Yeah, because they, like you said, that they both had the love for like horror and science fiction things, and it was actually Al Feldstein's suggestion to Bill Gaines that they should go off into different areas and do comics that they liked. Because, like, instead, he said that too many companies were like trying to follow what Simon and Kirby were doing with Captain America and and these adventure type comics or romance comics, and it was always following somebody else's lead. And he said, "Well, just the hell with it, because we can lose just as much money. Why don't we do something we like?" Basically, so they concentrated on doing um, science fiction and horror because that's what they both really were into. And they did jam sessions where they would just talk through stories, and Gaines would. Um, contribute like a lot of plot ideas but Al Feldstein was the one that had to actually write them write them up as a story so yeah um a little little pieces of trivia like Al Feldstein's ability to pump out this stuff um he for I think he was doing, he said six comics and Kurtzman was pu putting out two two yeah and, and so mad came about because uh as an option for Kurtzman to kind of get some more work yeah um you know, yeah, Gaines basically said, "If you want to make more money, you got to do more books." Yeah. So, why don't you do all humor one? It can't be that hard, you know. So, so he he started Mad Up with uh with the crew people, um, Will Elder, who else is in, involved with the Mad stuff at first? Jack Davis, yeah, yeah. Wally Wood. Um, I don't think Jack, da Jack Davis. Jack Davis was at oh, the yeah. very beginning. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah okay. I think so. So I was he, just reading his interview in the because he came journal. he came back I think he came back oh, and did okay. some more work later yeah yeah you know what it was is because he he didn't ever actually meet Bill Gaines uh -huh. at, but during the Kurtzman era and then he he met him when he went to go reapply yeah or to you know bring his stuff to L and Kurtzman or uh, Gaines sat down with him and went yeah. through his stuff and went 
you know, welcome to the family or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Cause, cause even, even Krigstein did some early mad stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about him. He mm-hmm. was awesome. So let's just quickly say what happened. So Kurtzman um, wanted a bigger share of the Mad Pie. It was he wanted good. a controlling share. He, he wanted fifty-one percent. Yeah, and, and the basically, basically in the in the, El, the Feldstein interview I read, he, he basically said that Harvey demanded fifty-one percent, like Bill Gaines owned Mad Magazine or as a comic book, and yeah. then Harvey was the editor. And then basically he said, I want 51% of the book. And Gaines said, well, you can go to hell. That's all. He just basically said, I'm not an idiot. Why would I yeah. give you a controlling interest in my magazine? And I just to, just to re-quantify that, I was uh, flipping through the Will Elder uh, Mad Playboy of Art, big, huge book. Mm-hmm. And there's a little thing about that, about how, like... Kurtzman was going for gusto, and basically, what, what Kurtzman, the reason Kurtzman was doing that was that he also had something, Hugh Hefner offering him something, mm-hmm. the the man behind Playboy magazine, I think everyone knows yeah. who Hugh Hefner is, um, offered him to do like a, a glossy stuff, and he's like, well, I've got this mad thing, and if Bill's not going to give me what I want, then I'll, know, go, I'll, go to, I'll go to half. I'll go to the half then- man. But, uh, and then fail miserably. Then, yeah, because it basically tanked. Like he basically did like a Mad Magazine type com. I think it was Trump was the first one they did with yeah. Hefner, and basically Hefner had overextended himself with regards to how much how much he he had on the market. Yeah, and uh, basically just tanked the thing after a couple issues. So it actually never really worked out for. And then he now. tried something else after that. Where humbug everyone, or humbug? I think that was it. Where all the uh, creators actually pitched him money. Uh-huh. For it, so Kurtzman and Elder and Jack Davis saying he put in some money uh-huh. for that, and that yeah. collapsed, yeah. and they they all lost a lot of money in that, and then Jack Davis was able to get it back into Mad. Yeah, well, actually, one thing that uh, that that Al Feldstein did that that Harvey Kurtzman didn't do was when when Al Feldstein wrote stories. Um, the, the way he wrote stories was that there was no scripts at EC Comics. There was no written down scripts. He would basically. Take take like just do notes or whatever, and then have it have it all lettered directly on the um, on the finished artboard where the pictures were going to be, and then so it was all pa- all the panels were laid out and all the lettering was put in, and then he would uh, basically talk through um, talk through the story with the artist and let the artist do whatever he wanted within the parameters of the story. So the artist decided what pictures to put in which. Mm-hmm. Kurtzman wouldn't do that. Kurtzman would actually lay the whole thing out, have the whole thing lettered, and thumbnail in what pictures he exactly wanted in each yeah. in each panel. And 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 and, that, and there were a lot of people that wouldn't work with Kurtzman after that because basically the guy was a tyrant. He wanted you to draw whatever he told you to, and half of them went, "Well, you know what? Why don't you draw the goddamn thing?" Like Alex Toth wouldn't. He didn't talk to him for about twenty five years after that. Wow. Happened. And uh, Wally Wood never got along with him because of that. I think it was the same thing where he would demand that you draw what he wanted, and they just said, "Well, screw you. I'm not working with you anymore." And Wally Wood was one of the few of the original Mad Crew that. Stayed. He hung in around. The split. He yeah. stayed, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, in the comic journal entry was basically worried about uh, having a magazine that was nothing but Wally, as incredible <laughs> yeah. as Wally was. But he was he was able to kind of get in some some really interesting new blood of of talented people. Yeah, and, and actually, you know what else he did too was he like when he took over Mad Magazine, Mad Mag or like, as. Basically, this was all. I guess this is the time of the the witch hunts or whatever. Yeah, we yeah. we should mention a little bit of background that the Kafaver hearings. What, what happened was is that um, EC was trucking along with all these horror titles, and some 
concerned citizens decided that this was having a bad effect on the youth. So it's a long story, but basically what happened is that they set up this comics code, and they shut down just about every title EC had that made any money. So they were forced, EC was forced to abandon its comics line and put all its eggs into the Mad Basket. Yeah. So Mad Magazine went from being just one of the comics that EC published to being a glossy-covered black-and-white magazine, which was the only thing they published. Yeah, and distributed through a magazine distributor so that they wouldn't be hassled. It was basically, it it started off as like a government kind of inquiry into whether comic books... Because of the... uh, Started juvenile delinquency. Yeah, because of the book... uh the Seduction uh, of the, the Innocent, innocent by, by Dr. Wortham. Yeah. yeah. Frederick Wortham. Yeah. The much, the much uh, lauded. <laughs> <laughs> I, but anyway, so like to make a long story short, it was the government was looking into whether comic books were, were caused juvenile delinquency. And what happened is that by the time that the hearings were over, they, they, they came to no conclusion. They said that there was no conclusion either way whether comic books caused delinquency or not. But all the other publishers got together and came up with parameters that to get it comics distributed, you couldn't do basically anything that EC Comics did. Yeah. Well, there was once where, well, I think the final straw, uh, I read a story about Bill Gaines, was when uh, Comics Code complained about the fact that they had a drawing, a Hollywood drawing of a black astronaut and they wanted them to take the beads of sweat off his brow. The censors wanted them to take yeah. off the beads of sweat. And that's when Bill Gaines basically realized that you know, he just wasn't going to be able to deal with the comics code. Mm-hmm. And he would go to a magazine which wasn't part of the code. Yeah, he just, it, it wasn't going to be censored. Screw you and yeah. did his own thing. So he had to go on his own way. And then the, the thing with Kurtzman... And Al Feldstein basically had to pick up the pieces of Mad and transition it into a, a successful magazine. Actually, this is a good point. To, or to, this is a good time to mention this too, um, because as it transferred to a um, a comic to a magazine, there was a turnover of of all the uh, the artists involved and the writers involved. Well, didn't a lot of them leave with Kurtzman? A lot of them left with Kurtzman to go do his own thing. So Mad mm-hmm. Mag is like when Mad became a magazine, there were still a couple issues that had all the comic book. Um, I think there was one uh, one that, that that had been previously put together, and then Al Feldstein started putting stuff together and keeping like two or three issues ahead, like compiling stuff so he can he would never be stuck for material. But this is the time when where a lot of like th- basically it's like the who's who of fifties artists. It's like yeah. Jack Davis and Wally Wood and all these people. Uh, and one thing Al Kurtzman or yeah, or Al, Al, Al Feldstein did. Sorry, was um was that he promoted style too? He allowed these artists to do to draw things in their style instead of trying to copy other styles that were becoming popular at the time. And that almost that's almost one of the the saving graces I think of EC when you look back on them is that they didn't try to look like any other comic. They were mm-hmm. all EC. individual and they were all like like well drawn, well written. You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm just gonna give us a couple seconds to breathe here. Oh. We're, we're about <laughs> half past here. Uh, you're just in a CITR. And we're getting into point. Mad next. We're getting into Mad, and I think this is a good time to break because now we can go and talk about how much we love Mad. Yeah. Uh, so CRTR, yeah, CITR 101.9 FM at UBC. If you want to call in, it's 604-822-2487. We're talking about Harvey or uh, 
Now you got me doing it. We're talking about Al Feldstein, <laughs> the man, the man behind Mad, who will be appearing at the Vancouver Comic Con on Sunday, three one zero two Main Street at the Heritage Hall. Now we're going to go into some more Mad music. I have uh, up next, uh, it's a gas from that same uh, record that the Al uh, Feldstein and all the laughter was on. So uh, it's a gas. Jazz is a word that means many different things to many different people. The best definition of jazz that I know of is the jazz show on CITR with yours truly, Gavin Walker. Monday nights, 9 to midnight with the jazz feature at 11 o'clock. Check us out every Monday. Goodbye. Oh, how that kiss makes me cry. No, 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 don't, don't put onions on your hair, my no, girl. No, 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 
shake your hand So next time we'll eat at hand Don't go Put on your tongue, your hand You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. Uh, this is Ink Studs, the comic book radio show about comics. Comics. We're talking about Elle Feldstein today. We just listened to a uh, couple of mad tracks. We had a little technical difficulties because something I uh, wanted to play on Burnt this morning just isn't working. Uh, we first played uh, It's a Gas by uh, the uh, folks at Mad belching away along to uh, some music. And it was actually the... the the guys from Mad, mm -hmm. the usual gang of idiots, yes. belching there, and then we had a little promo for the jazz show, and that was followed up by me very quickly playing a song called "Don't Put Onions on Your Hamburger" <laughs> from the lovely from uh, what was it the Mad the Fink's Mad album or I can't remember the name of it, mm -hmm. but uh, it was good. And uh, I'll be playing some more songs from that, that Mad album. It's a vinyl rip onto MP3 that I downloaded. I was hunting for Mad songs. So, um, reminder, L. Feldstein, Sunday, Heritage Hall. We're going to talk some more about Mad Magazine right now. Okay, I'd like to have to, this is a quote from L. Feldstein talking about Mad Magazine. This is, this is what it, basically an artist, it's almost like an artist statement coming from him. Uh, he said, quote, okay, uh, all we were doing and all our function was to puncture and the pomposity of our politicians and demonstrate how we're being screwed left, right and left by Madison Avenue and packaging and whatever. Our job was to educate, not to tell them what to do about it. We're not revolutionists. I don't think that's the job of a satirist. The job of a satirist is to expose idiocies and let you do what you want to do as far as correcting them is concerned. 
Uh, at least that's what I felt our function was, and, and do it in an entertaining way. That was Mad's function, to make young people aware of what was going on around them. You know, and that's, uh, I think it, it did a pretty good job at that. And, but it's funny, though, because he's saying, you know, they're not revolutionaries, but they are. Um, a Subversive. Lot of, but that was, that was secondary. It was entertainment was first. But then, like, um, a lot, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, I was just reading about this art, this interview online with someone talking to Elle about uh, the FBI investigating them. And I guess... What? Is, yeah. The FBI investigating them. Mad Magazine? Yeah, they, yeah. Did, they did a draft Dodger game, and they, yeah. uh, the, the State Department... Uh, kind of bitch to them about doing it. They didn't like the idea. Well, wow. basically, uh, they instructed people to mail away to J. Edgar Hoover for their official draft Dodger card. <laughs> so, so people did it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm just looking here for more information. And uh, FBI came and investigated them. Um, uh, Gaines sent a letter to apologize. Uh, a, a carefully worded so called apology letter. Let's hope. Uh, Hoover doesn't come back to haunt us now for. I'm sure Hoover had scenes. a sense of humor. Actually, one, one no, but he had a good array of dresses. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing that that Al Feldstein did was he actually should he takes he should take a lot of credit for like just the look of Mad Magazine. Anybody that's read a Mad Magazine, uh, it's basically his responsibility to pick the artists that he use that he used and and to even using Alfred E. Newman as a mascot. They hadn't used the character as a mascot until he took over and came up with the idea. So well, there's a there's a actually a bit of store elf. You know where the Alfred? You remember where the Alfred e. Newman thing came yeah, from? Yeah, he said they took all those old cards and and came the name, but the name was also a name that he used. Yeah, it was a pseudonym. Alfred H. Newman, I guess Alfred being yeah. you know Elfeld. Um, so that was his pseudonym. Yeah, it was a pen name because yeah. he did he actually didn't want the comics that he wrote to all be written by yeah. by him. So Six he, different comics each month by by him. Yeah, yeah. so he made it up to use that um but he but he was also responsible for things like he got uh mort drucker to do his first caricature of uh of a bob and ray story that that they adapted they adapted some comedy routines by bob and ray and uh he he's the one that basically asked mort drucker have you ever done a caricature and he said no and he goes okay i'll give you some stills to take home and do it and and basically now uh mort drucker became like one of the premier caricaturists in in the u.s basically him and jack davis were both like that you know, and he also was responsible for bringing in people like Antonio Prohias, who did um, Spy yeah, vs. Spy. Talk about him for a couple minutes. He is a uh, expatriate. I guess. Cuban. Yeah. Cuban expatriate. Exile, really. Yeah, exile, exile yeah. Um, who, who came to America and uh, somehow managed to do this incredible, incredible comic strip, Spy vs. Spy. The, the, you know, the... The Cold War the parody. The Cold War commentary. Yeah. By, by a victim of the Cold War. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, and, and the interesting thing is, uh, just kind of like to, kind of a flip side to that, is uh, Spy vs. Spy is still done today by, by Peter Cooper. Yeah, he who, took who it over. Who himself is a pretty vocal, um, I guess, anti-establishmentary kind well, of guy. Well, he is one of the founders of World War Three Illustrated. Yeah, he's a basically almost a political cartoonist in, it's, in it's the a big sense is. of the word. Yeah, not yeah. almost he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, le a left-wing polemic cartoonist. Yes. Not to say that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's he... It's a bad thing. But, but, oh. but Al, like, the way that Al Feldstein would work, he, he would actually do a lot of things that, like, that he doesn't get credit for like a writer when he bought something first of all when he when he bought something from an artist or a writer he paid them on delivery most publications pay you when they ever publish the thing 
so it could sit in a drawer for three years, or you maybe never get published, so you don't get paid for it. But he would basically, as soon as somebody brought something in, pay him for it, and then get the next thing going. Well, he, he also changed the focus of a lot of Mad Magazine. Originally, Mad Magazine was mostly uh, parodies of other comics, comics. and movies and, and such. And but he expanded. He, he expanded it uh, into satirical, and he also made. As, as he said in the quote, advertising was satires of advertising became a big focus of the magazine. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, huh? Okay, we're being bothered. Okay, by these uh, he no. also he also no he also introduced. <laughs> he also introduced like the satirical songs and poetry. It magazine actually the magazine Mad Magazine actually became very literary. Mm -hmm. Under Al Feldstein, I mean, he, they, they would do satires of like Macbeth. Yeah, and, yeah. And things you know, like, sung to the tune of you know, <laughs> you something, know, like, you know. Gilbert and Sullivan uh, yeah. parodies. Oh, they did the West Side Story parody. That was one of those favorite favorite things that he ever did. Was it was East Side Story, and it and it took place in the UN, so it had like and Khrushchev, Khrushchev. <laughs> yeah, dancing and snapping his fingers. You know, it's like he said he it was just a Khrushchev gang, a Soviet gang. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so he expanded it to politics, to advertising. Um, I don't think a magazine like Adbusters would exist if it no, wasn't for all. Mad Magazine. No, not at all. And Al Feldstein's uh, con contribution. And, and, but the the way that he worked too was he actually worked directly with the, with with the writers and artists. Like Al Jaffe would bring in material, and he would basically lay it out for him because he he he, he had a, he had a specific way he wanted these things laid Isn't out. Isn't that just what Kurtzman was doing? Uh, no, because what see what he would do is he would a writer would bring something in and he would he would buy the the article or whatever whatever the the gag was he would actually retype the thing adding instructions to artists to use to to expand the idea and then he would give it to the artist and let the artist do whatever they wanted uh. with like. Like they they had to stick to the parameters that he came up with, but they could go and do add any detail or do whatever they wanted. He said as long as it was a professional job, he let them run with it. So with someone like Jack Davis, you'd be seeing odd little things in every little yeah. corner and stuff. Yeah, there's like, eight, like you get instead of like a group of people, it would be like a group of like 400 people, you yeah. know, instead of <laughs> all six. Like grinning smiles. Yeah, and people jumping and falling down and spitting and doing all sorts of weird stuff. But even with the cartoonist like Don Martin, he actually brought Don Martin in too, which mm -hmm. is one of the mainstays of of. Don Martin is my personal favorite mad cartoonist. Yeah, it, I must say. It, it, that's the one thing. The maddest. Yeah. Mad cartoonist. Yeah. I mean, him and uh, Sergio uh, Aragonés were the two that basically, like, for a generation, they made Mad Magazine. You look at it, and, and that's the only place you ever saw their stuff was Mad, you know? And there's actually only one issue of Mad from when Sergio started mm -hmm. that doesn't have a minute. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. What a, yeah, because he, he was that prolific and that uh, oh, yeah, he's omnipresent. Oh, yeah. It was neat going through the uh, comics journal about Mad Magazine, and they even have the Sergio little like uh, the little marginals. Yeah, yeah. the the, the, the uh, actually, you know what else says? Al Feldstein actually called himself the. Uh, he said he was like he could he compared himself to a sponge cake chef because he said I'm like a sponge cake chef. I make the sponge is there if there's such thing. He goes, he goes I make the sponge cake and I just let everybody else do what they want to icing it. You know, so <laughs> that, that, that was kind of a weird uh, analogy. A great analogy. I like that. Yeah. It was pretty good but uh but i think a uh, part of that with that doing the uh typing that up and stuff is also setting up the comic timing oh that's that's what his he loved doing like he like actually that, worked, like when don martin would bring in roughs say for a for a gag he would look at it and decide first of all is it funny 
And if it's funny, then he would decide he would decide how many panels it would be and what panels to expand or to make smaller. Because he was all about the pacing and the comic timing. Al, Al Feldstein was a great comedian, you know. So by I don't know the sixties or seventies, he was no longer drawing. He was editing, but it was, is he still writing then? Uh, no, I think he actually was the editor, but he worked like basically he he had his hand. He said that basically everything that went into Mad Magazine came through his typewriter. Wow, he would re yeah. he said, everything for thirty years. Yeah, as and, he said. yeah, and he said basically that he would sometimes just leave the, leaves them uh, originally as as written. So he would just be retyping them, but sometimes he would add things or, or make suggestions. But but everything went through his typewriter. Wow, that is so much work. Uh huh. But that's what he did. That's why, and he was paid well for it. Yeah, he. Um, they did a renegotiation of his contract after uh, through some weird wheeling and dealing. Bill Gates yeah. sold Mad for five million dollars to some like, I don't know, company, what the, some or company yeah. that was like basically they had to to do something. It was it was a tax. It, it was thing. a tax thing, and they found a loophole. They made use of it, and Al went, "Hey." I want a piece of this. What up, dog? <laughs> yeah, he said, what the hell's going on? You sold the magazine? I would have wanted to get in on it. So so uh, Gaines basically said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, to make up for it, I'll give you a percentage of the gross of Mad. And at the time, it was $3,500 in 1960. It was $3,500 he made extra that year. But since then... And he was happy with that. And he was happy. Since then, Mad Magazine puts out six titles a year four annuals eight titles a year eight titles a year it was oh. six then okay it was eight titles a year four annuals 11 foreign editions and over 250 paperbacks and plus t-shirts movies and and television stuff and uh basically he gets a cut of all of the gross wow so so he basically had enough that he had a co-op in new york and a house on a lake in connecticut and well if i just may add my own personal uh, reminiscences i remember growing up with mad magazine and what an incredibly important part it was of my life, and it seemed like just about all my peers read Mad Magazine. We didn't always understand the satire, of course. We didn't really, we didn't really, we didn't really know what all these hippies were about. <laughs> who's, who's this Agnew guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a vague idea. He had yeah. something to do with the government, yeah. and we all hated the phony Nixon. energy crisis. Yeah, <laughs> but and Mad Magazine and Monty Python ruined me forever as a productive citizen. Oh, great! For that, thank I thank you. Him. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. He was, Thanks. You've yeah. given us Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's kind of a, a neat thing because th there's definitely like a generational gap here in this room where where there's some difference. And like my dad, he also read Mad. And uh, I'm gonna play a song later that I know he has. The, I'm pretty sure he has a seven inch for mm -hmm. um, called Seven Inch What Record. Oh, okay. Focus, focus, focus. At on. least he didn't moan. Okay, go oh, on. God, we can't take yeah. Don out in public. Yeah. This, this is the one and only appearance of Don King. <laughs> um, the song's going to be called "She Lets Me Watch Her Mom and Pop Fight." It's a, it's a lovely little, little ditty. Um, maybe I'll play it and give us a quick uh, couple seconds to breathe. Oh, Are we right. coming back? Are yeah, we we'll come back. We'll come. I'll play this. It's about two minutes long, and then we'll come back. Okay. So uh, this is Mad Magazine. Uh, from Think Along with Mad, I, f I found the name. Think Along with Mad, uh, she lets me watch Mom and Pop fight. Round one. Although she isn't much to look at. And though she isn't very bright I love her, I love her, oh boy how I love her Cause she lets me watch her mom and pop fight 
to see a lamp go through a window and watch him kick and scratch and bite. I love her, I love her, oh boy, how I love her, cause she lets me watch her mom and pop fight. And Friday night is something wonderful to see when a pop comes home with only half his check. We spit a candy bar and watch World War III, it's got neck in. Gonna make that camera steady Because they're at it every night I love her, I love her Oh boy, how I love her Cause she lets me watch her mom and pop fight Fight fans, here we go, it's round three Mom comes out and goes right to the mouth And I lift the pop checkbook Pop goes a hard jab to the head, one to the sink A short hook to the shins and an uppercut to the small of the brain My mom and pop is in trouble The crowd is cheering What a fight, what a fight And Friday night is something wonderful to see when her pop comes home with only half his check. We spit a candy bar and watch World War III. It's got neck and feet to head. I'm gonna make that camera steady because they're at it every night. I love her, I love her. Oh boy, how I love her. Cause she lets me watch her mom and pop fight. Yes, she lets me watch your mom and pop fight. Oh, she lets me watch your mom and pop fight. This is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9. And I think, I think if I'm one, I think if I'm one the fight. Um, you're, we're talking about Elf Feldstein today. Uh, you can listen to us at 101.9 on the FM or online at www.citr.ca. Talking about Elf Feldstein. Uh, we'll be followed up in a couple minutes by Rhymes and Reasons at 3 o'clock. Word. <laughs> West Coast. And uh, Don and and Colin both have a couple of uh, little quick stories they'd like to tell. The, of, of Mad Magazine stories that they've heard that Colin's they got a good one. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know what... Okay, just one of you just go. Go! Okay. Well, we were just reflecting on the popularity of Mad Magazine and how important it was and how famous it was. And in 1963, a letter from Auckland, New Zealand arrived at the Mad Magazine offices in New York City. There was no address. There was... Um, you know, yeah. no name on the envelope. All there was on the envelope was the picture of Alfred E. Newman's face. And it made it. And it them. made it from New Zealand to New York because everybody knew who he was yeah. and where he was from. Yeah, Mad was, Mad was, I mean, until the, actually, it's it's funny, like, after Al Feldstein went, uh, left Mad, it kind of tanked out. Like, it, I think, like, he said that basically in its heyday, Mad, the, the, actually the episode, or the, the episode, the uh, the issue of Mad Magazine that sold the most was um, the Poseidon Adventure cover one that has, like, Alfred E. Newman's feet on the SS Poseidon, like, sinking at, at sea, you know, it's like from the Poseidon Adventure. And just it, make a quick note of how many copies of that magazine eventually, uh, like, the hot... Well, it, well, that one, that's that issue sold... Uh, 2,800,000 copies. And that was their highest selling issue ever. And Al got a gross of that. And Al got a gross of that. What a guy. He's a wheeler and dealer. Isn't that's he? awesome. But uh, the, the, the thing that's funny, though, is like it, it averaged, it went from like 400,000 up to about, I think it was, I think it was 2,800,000 for that issue. And then, but by the time uh, Al, Al decided to pack it in, he was getting bored with it. And this is like 1984. And then basically he uh, he got to the point where he, where, he, where, where the, the magazine was actually starting to lose money a bit or not lose money but losing losing the numbers that it yeah, had before and he was also in a position where he really wasn't able to do what he really wanted to do because yeah um, he got bored with it basically. he got bored uh for a long time 
uh, Mr. Gaines would not let him do what he wanted to do. Like, he actually expand the empire of he, Matt. He actually wanted to expand the subscriptions so that they could make more money right off the top with the subscriptions. And he also wanted to bring in advertising, which I didn't know. Well, oh, they really? eventually yeah. did that. And they eventually did that. But I think... Too much curmudgeons for many people. Yeah. Well, me included. Yeah, I, I actually don't like the idea. Like, I actually have seen some of these new Mad magazines, and the thing that bugged me was that there's it just looks like kind of like a cheap magazine because it's got ads in it. Well, actually... That was their bread and butter making fun of ads. I picked up a Mad magazine to flip through it recently. Um... After years and years, I hadn't picked up a mat. I picked up recently, mm -hmm. and what really amazed me was the new artists they're getting in. Because let's face it, the usual gang of idiots are getting a little long in the tooth. Oh, they're now done. Mad Magazine are bringing in. They're bringing in some pretty interesting people, like, like Peter Cooper, Peter Cooper, Rick Geary, Pete Bag, Pete Bag. Yeah. Uh, I think Ted Rawl of all people. Mm -hmm. So who knows, maybe uh, after a long time, maybe it's time for me to pick up Mad Magazine again. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking uh, about it. I'm, but let's, I, let's I'm continue. I'm not even thinking about it. Let's talk about the past somewhere. Let's not, you know, we're let's talking not dwell about on the crap. Let's, let's get back to the good stuff. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Al. And like, really, I, I, I strongly recommend everyone to go down to the con this Sunday uh -huh. and thank Al. This you know? is living yeah, history. He, he actually is one of the few people that didn't take credit for the stuff that he that he and did. And he deserves it. And he really deserved it. And, and he said he was basically wasn't very good at promoting himself. He never went to a comic convention until 10 years ago. Yeah. It was the first time he ever went to one. And, and he's he, actually quite... I, I and he won a Hall of Fame award at yeah. that, that one, you know? Lifetime achievement. I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and he's quite excited about the con. He was like, uh, I, I'm trying to hook up with him at some point to do an interview. And he's like, main focus is is to meet people at the con and like really, you know, yeah, he, show the respect. He loves he meeting say, people. Did he say why now after all these years he's chosen to... I don't know what it is. Maybe what? it's just... To come out into public with uh, he just said that he wants to, like, he, he found out that people actually care about the stuff. He didn't, no, like, he, he did, like, he said that he, he defined he my actually, world. One thing he has in, in, in common with, uh, Mr. Robin here is that, is that he actually, um, binds up, he has, like, a copy, like, he's got bound copies of all the comics that he did. Oh, wow. Just for himself. But he said he never kept copies of it because he said he, who knew it was going to be worth anything, you know? <laughs> but now people actually appreciate it. Okay, I think nice we, to hear. I think I'm going to wind up this show. Um, thank you coming down, Don. Uh, reminder, this Sunday at Heritage Hall, Hall. Also, 15th in Maine. 15th in Maine. Also, reminder to people in Vancouver, vote on Saturday. It's the civic elections. In fact, across BC, it's all the civic elections. Thank you, Colin, for coming down and making the trek. And this Word. Is, this is Ink Stud, CITR 1.9, followed up by Rhymes and Reasons. And this next song is also from Mad Magazine's... Uh, Thinking along with Mad, or Fink along with Mad, it's called Loving a Siamese Twin. <laughs> It's so rough on me, loving a 
Hey, Jim, let's split. I wish we could, John. Love.